Kia ora everyone. On this episode, we chat with Dr. Regina Isert at TPA on Ice on Twitter. She's a comparative mammalian physiologist and nutritional ecologist whose work is highly focused in the Antarctic marine ecosystem. So, in layman's terms, she researches mammals in Antarctica who really, really love to swim. For example, seals and whales. Before she joined Gateway Antarctica at the University of Canterbury in 2013, she worked at the Smithsonian Institute in Washington, D.C. In 2017, she was the first Kiwi to be honoured by Pew, a global knowledge-driven think tank trying to solve today's most challenging problems with the Marine Conservation Fellowship. These days, Regina is focusing and leading a new research initiative known as the TPA, or Top Predator Alliance, which studies the critical role top food chain predators play in the Ross Sea marine ecosystem. It also looks at the political factors that shape big-picture marine conservation in Antarctica. In this episode, we'll find out what's driving this new research program, which is also heavily supported by Antarctica New Zealand. More about the Ross Sea MPA, or Marine Protected Area, and learn all about one of her great passions, killer whales. She loves them. She even wears a pretty darn cool wooden belt with a killer whale carved into it. That's what we're working with here, people. It's awesome. I hope you enjoy. Kia ora, Regina. Thank you, uh, thank you for popping in quickly. You're welcome. Uh, firstly, let's just start off with what makes uh, killer whales different and I suppose uh, special, apart from just being really good looking. <laughs> you mean like yourself. <laughs> when you say different, you have to say different from what? You can't just say different. Everybody's different. Of course. Everybody's special. Killer Dif- whales are special. Different from other whales. Okay, so first of all, they're clearly not really a whale. So a whale is not a clear taxonomic division it's just a size thing um killer whales are just big dolphins with a fancy paint job so they're the largest of the dolphin family so the smallest of the dolphin family is the um, hectares um why do they get called whales then? yeah uh, based on size right. so i mean the overall class is cetacea and that includes whales porpoises beaked whales all sorts of things and the larger ones are just called whales, and the smaller ones are called something else. So, right there it is. So, killer whales. Killer whales, yes. There we go. And so, yeah, what what may, what separates them from the pack? From the pack. So, for starters, they are as a member of the delphinid family, the dolphin family, and the largest of the family. They are like other dolphins, extremely intelligent. So, they dolphins are the most encephalized members of the cetacea, which means they have the large, relatively the largest brain relative to the body mass. Um, they show very complex behaviors. They have very complex acoustic repertoire, suggesting that they may have something like a language. They show dialects, so different populations have different vocalizations. Um, they seem to be very keen to interact with humans, just like other dolphins. There are the ocean's top, top predator, right. so the equivalent of a grizzly or a tiger in the right. ocean. Um, Greater than a, a great white, if you like? They kill great whites for fun. <laughs> Sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. What do you do? I mean, you know, 
brain the size of a planet, no opposable thumbs. What are you going to do all day except play with your food, right? Exactly. That's all they've got on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they're incredibly intelligent. Uh, they've, you know, got sort of communities going on. They're quite uh, social animals. Very social. Very social. Very family-oriented. Okay. okay. Oh, that's so awesome. We don't know all... We don't know the f- exact structure for all Kilauea populations, but a common model is a matrilineal society, which is where you have um, a female, an older female, with her offspring and her offspring's offspring, and the children stay with the mother all their life, and uh, presumably the males mate outside their family group. But I get that all the time that people say, "Oh, look, there's a big male," and they think that's like a male in his harem. No, 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 that's mama's little boy. Right. So he's. The, the males that you see are the offspring of that the the matriarch for that group. Okay, interesting. Yeah. All right, and so what do they what do they like to tuck into as their diet down here? So that depends. So I often say kilowas are like ice cream that come in flavors. Right. It's another thing that's evolving right now. People are starting to split up. A lot of the cetacean species they always thought they're cosmopolitan, which means they're the same all over the world. And kilowas everywhere you look, there are these different kilowas. For example, we have a specific and very distinct New Zealand type, uh, New Zealand coastal orca, and that is being studied by Dr. Ingrid Visser in uh, quite great detail. Mm. Then in the Southern Ocean, we have a minimum of four to five types, depending on who you talk to, and they they are they're different size, different color, different shape eat different things, make different noises, probably right. don't even talk to each other. Interesting. So um, very distinct. So the one we have here is uh, the type C or Charlie. Cool. Uh, Kilowell, which is a fish specialist, we right. think. Okay. And is one of the focal species for the Rossi region right. marine protected area because the MPA is all about toothfish and toothfish extraction and minimizing the risk to the ecosystem as a result of fishing and climate change. And so, of course, they need something that has a direct link to toothfish and that's that would right. be your... Type C kilowatt and the Waddell seal and possibly sperm whales. So right, and so that's obviously what you've been working on down here. Yes, seeing how uh, if you know, so they've got this obviously this new marine protected area in the mm-hmm. Ross Sea, and so now you're here to study the whales and see how uh, they're evolving or growing or, or whatever as as their population now that it's protected. Yeah, no, the the sequence is slightly different. So um, I came in a lot earlier than that. So the the proposal for the marine protected area was based on minimizing effects on animals and species that had direct trophic competition with the fishery, i.e. the toothfish predators, right. the toothfish itself, and the things that are eaten by the, the toothfish eats. And so trophic, if I could just, tro- trophic Sorry. competition refers to how the whales are on the same level as us kind of thing. Basically, you're taking their food. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so that's the most direct linkage you can have. You either kill the animal, we don't do that, we don't hunt killer whales, but the next impact you can have is you literally take Take their their food food away. So one of the big drivers for the MPA and for the MPA design was trying to avoid that direct competition with things that eat toothfish. And that's why we have, as a named focal species, we have type C killer whales for the LCOs. And in case of future core fisheries, Adelie penguins and emperor penguins are also named, but right. they don't have a direct link with toothfish. All right. And so how, how have your contacts been with the killer whales? Oh, very good. So the, f- the fish eaters are interesting because they're a bit aloof. They're not really interested in things out of the water because they they make their living in the water. Yeah, that's right. Look for things in the water. Um, and the first year, they pretty much ignored us. And the second year, they pretty much ignored us. And then they started sort of the occasional animal would come over and have a look and whistle or blow bubbles and, and sort of clearly show an interest in some form 
and whistling and blowing bubbles at you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty cool. They come and they sit just below the water because the water's very clear and they could they have very good vision. That, yeah, that's the thing. Hey, they've yeah. got incredible vision. They've really good vision. Some of those images I have when I think of killer whales in the Antarctic is how they would float up above the surface and, yeah. and look at you in a way and then drop back down yeah. and like yeah, yeah. That's called spy hopping, hopping, but they can also do this thing when we're standing on the ice edge where they hover just below the surface of the water and look up through you, which is really wow. cool. So um, that must be a moment. Yeah, that was really cool. And the minky whales do that as well. Um, they're very nosy animals. <laughs> and then we started having a lot more interactions, especially with juveniles. So we're not at a point where whenever we are on the ice edge, there will be a pack of teenage killer whales coming over and saying hello, which yeah. is really cool. Mm. And we know these are the same animals because we've been building up our photo ID database. So we recognize some animals on site. It's like, hi, that's Stumpy, <laughs> that's Maria. <laughs> That must they're be amazing. How you yeah, can that's very cool. Catch up with your mates, your killer whale mates. <laughs> well, they're not really my mates, but <laughs> actually the juveniles are primarily the ones that are showing. Like in any species, it's the juveniles that right. show the greatest curiosity. But we had a lot of every year. We had some adults come over and check us out as well. And in some cases, I think it was the aunties or the moms keeping an eye on me and making sure I wasn't messing with the kids, kind oh. of thing. It was it was just definitely <laughs> that, like, I've got my yeah, eyes yeah. on you, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Don't mess with my kids. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, I guess, you know, being a, a an environmentally based fodca- podcast for the most of us, how can you make any comments on, on how climate change might be having an effect on these killer whales? Well, we don't really know that. And part of the challenge with the work for the MPA is that we need to be able to tease apart potential effects of fishing or not fishing or fishing in a particular place and not in another place uh, from climate change and also natural variation. And at this point, we do not have Mm. sufficient information to even be able to understand the signal and the noise. I thought that might be the case. Yeah. Yeah. So we're basically playing catch up. With this MPA, why did it come about? Because it's very fresh, right? It happened in December. Yeah. So we've just had our first anniversary. Right. Oh. Congratulations, but, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, I came in very late. So it, by the time I, I was recruited into the into the team, well, team, Antarctic Working Group, my colleagues had already been working hard at this for 10, 15 years or even longer than that. So I was just brought in quite late. So I got this. I was in Washington, D.C. at the Smithsonian and got this phone call from some random person I didn't know from Wellington who said, hey, can you come and work on Killer Wells, please? I'm like, mm. okay. Okay. Very well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so, like the MPA that was created, uh, so it's a, it's an area where you can't fish. You can't. It's just there to leave, and to let the ecosystem do its thing, produce uh, and do its do its thing. Like, what are the what are the benefits of creating an area like that? Well, yeah. Let me just um, let me just clarify that. So the difference between an MPA and say a national park or marine sanctuary in New Zealand. Yes, excellent idea. Is that um, an MPA under CAMLA rules, which is the government agency for the Southern Ocean, needs to be actively maintained. So at right. all times, you have to show that the MPA is meeting its specific objectives. Right. And specific objectives are very specific. There's eleven of them. Okay. There's ones that are general, so ecosystem protection. Then yep. there are ones that relate specifically to certain species, such as toothfish, silverfish, right. the focal species, such as the killer whale, the Fidelcia, the penguins. And then there's some about protecting um, what they call priority features, which is vulnerable benthic ecosystems through, you know, they want to damage the, the seafloor. 
And then there's um, objective five about protecting large-scale processes that are associated with productivity, and that basically says feeding grounds for billing whales, you yeah. know, at ecosystem hotspots. So, and these things are actually very specific. And yeah. They're like basically smart objectives. Right. Um, and every five years, the scientific evidence is reviewed by CAMELA, by mm -hmm. the scientific committee, whether the MPA is meeting these objectives and to what extent it is or isn't meeting these objectives. And after 35 years, every all the members have to agree to keep the MPA. Okay. To, to keep it? There is no other option? No, that's what I mean. They're all There has to be consensus oh, okay, to right. keep it, yeah, which yeah. is the higher hurdle as opposed to... At the moment, everybody would have to vote. Every five years, people could vote to get rid of it, but they'd okay. all have to agree, right. which wouldn't happen. And so but after 35 years, everybody has to agree to keep it. Who's everybody? So the Camelot has, um, Camelot has the Commission for the Conservation of Antarctic Marine Living Resources has 24 states as members plus the European Union. Okay. And some states are members both as European Union as like Germany right. and individually. And I can't recite all the members, but it's quite... No, no, it's quite um, it's, you know, Argentina, yeah. the, the usual Antarctic Treaty members. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so so you're saying that we have we have this protected area now for yeah. 35 years? Yes, pretty much, but it could we could screw it up. Right. Like, it's not a given because it's not New Zealand's decision whether yeah. or not it's kept. Okay, what does a screw-up look like? Uh, screw-up means we'll lose it, and the other, I think we're possibly already in a, in a problematic situation where – People who were had doubts about setting up marine protected areas in the Southern Ocean because it's only the second one and the largest. Right, it is the largest. It's the largest and only the second one that's been set up in the wow. Southern Ocean. Um, the members that were skeptical about this are watching very closely how this is being handled right. as a precedent. So they'll be keeping a sharp eye on yes, things. Yes, and there will. Well, there's basically Russia and China and states like that, and that's fair enough. I mean, they have their own ideas and they have their own approach to things and they're saying well we we want to see how you handle this and we want to see that you're actually putting your money where your mouth is yeah and we may or may not agree and the thing to keep in mind Kamala is not Kamala is um you know it's a coalition of the reasonable and people have to agree and you have to handle it in a way that everybody agrees so yeah i'm a bit concerned at the moment okay well and fair enough, but I suppose what what did what did we go into the table saying why we desperately need this? I mean, you know, what were the main convincing tools to be like this, marine protected areas are fantastic ideas? Well, yeah, this is exactly where it hangs because people often come into things and say, "Hey, you should do X because I think it's a really awesome idea, and everybody should agree with me because everybody shares my values." Right. That's exactly where it hangs, right? This is this is the conundrum, <laughs> the great conundrum we have in con in conservation. Well, yes, because it is actually at some level, and I'm I'm not talking to at you or about you, but mm. it's at some level incredibly arrogant to assume that other people share your values yeah, because of course. they don't. No, yeah, of course. And that's the thing. In diplomacy, people talk about a values community. So, um, And often you don't share values and you have to respect that. And you just say, well, okay, so you believe in um, exploiting natural resources and you're not that fussed about long-term sustainability and people have a right to have that, as, I guess, mm. at some level. And other people say, no, you should never touch it. It's a sacred space and you should never catch any fish. And Camelot is sort of in the middle between those two extremes. So Camelot is somewhat similar to some of the Maori concepts mm. of Kaitiakitanga, where yep. you use a resource, but you use it, you only take the surplus. That's right. And you Show maintain the resource in a highly, highly sustainable manner. So right. it keeps on giving. Yeah. Yes. The gift that keeps on giving. Absolutely. And that's what Camelot is all about. Right. Which is incredibly. Um, 
advanced for when it was set up. Camelot was set up in the early 80s, so right. it's still a big model for everyone else. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's for me and, and my values, I think it's terrific, and, and I think we need more protected areas in Antarctica. Uh, are there any on the horizon? Is there yes, any? there are several, and they're being, they're being vetoed right now by um, China and Russia. So, right. so they're a part of Kamala. Yeah, Kamala. Right. Kamala. China, Russia, the Ukraine, Chile, India. Right. Um, lots of places. Argentina. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Many countries. Yes, UK, okay. Australia, New Zealand. Right. Yeah. And so what made us different in being able to get this fir- like this first or second one over the um, line? First of all, I think New Zealand always has this the bonus of being very, you know, mostly harmless, mm. being non-threatening. Everybody loves New Zealand. Nobody thinks we're trying to, That's within right. reason, nobody thinks we're actually trying to dominate the world because right. this ain't going to happen. Is we're it? in a good position. To yeah, to we, we're the honest broker at some level. On the other hand, Russia did raise some objections and they said, well, there's a suspicious amount of overlap between the New Zealand claim under the Antarctic Treaty and the boundaries of the MPN. That's a reasonable thing to say. I'm not saying it's true, but it, it's yeah. not a completely out of the, you know, unreasonable. But just to come back to um, this whole idea about, oh, we should that such and such is a good idea because I think it's a good idea. So the only thing that you end up being able to agree on when you don't share values or cultural ideas about things is science. Right. So the sci- the, it's not that science isn't a privileged worldview in the sense that science is the only truth. It's science is the only thing that provides that level playing field where you can all communicate. It's sort of like a lingua franca. It's like a universal way of communicating yeah. certain things and agreeing. I mean, science is about... To how to agree, how to decide what is the right thing to do right. at the end of the day. Especially when it comes to resources, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not about privileging Western science about other forms of understanding the world. It's about that system works for agreeing on things. Right. And it's making everybody try to understand that, yes. I suppose. Interesting. Oh, uh, Regina, thank you so much. You've got an intercontinental flight to catch. I do, uh, and you've uh, got to go to the airport, exactly. don't you? Exactly. I'm going to come out as well. Uh, thank you so much. Um, till next time, and uh, all the best with the rest of your orca project. Thank you so much. I just called it an orca. Why you did. That's why do okay. we not call it an orca? Oh, okay. Remember Lord of the Rings? Yes. Most despicable creatures in Middle Earth, what they're called? Orcas. Orcs. 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 Why are they called orcs? Tolkien was an old language scholar. Right. Okay. When people named, when Linnae named the species with the binomials, Okin was Orca, means demon from hell. It's really not nice. It's really, really insulting. And it's not fair because they used to think of them as sea monsters. And they're actually lovely animals. They're really lovely. And to be honest, if I had a choice between Kilowell and being called an Orca, I'd definitely take Kilowell. Yeah, exactly. It's way more badass. (laughs) All right. I'm glad we cleared that up at the end. (laughs) Thanks, Regina. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us and listening in. I hope you enjoyed the episode and do check out some of the others. As always, it'd be great to hear from you. So leave a review or subscribe or get in touch anyway. More info about the episode can be found in the show notes, so feel free to explore. Thanks again, and here's to Antarctica.